Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of WP Talks. Uh, this is Shane Miller. I'll be your host for today's episode. And this is going to be part of the WP Cares series. Uh, we're doing a spotlight on uh, organizations, specifically nonprofit organizations in our various communities and talking about how they're helping folks, what their mission is, um, and really using this as a platform to uh, raise awareness about some of these great groups. Um, today, I'm joined by uh, a couple folks from uh, Hobbs, New Mexico. We recently expanded into the Permian Basin market and would like to welcome Brittany Fleming. She's a tax manager out of our Hobbs office. And we're also joined by Robert Guthrie, who's the CFO of Option Inc. Welcome, guys. Thank Welcome. you. Happy to be here. All right. Well, let's dive right in. Um, Option Inc. is a really interesting organization. And so I really want to get into the meat of uh, how you help people out. Um, so, Robert, let's start with what is Option Inc. and what is the, the mission of your organization? Well, thank you for having me uh, first off. And what I would say is Option Inc. is a domestic violence shelter. And what we do is we work with battered and abused men, women, and children. And it, it covers the gambit is, is the scope of, of, of folks that we work with. And I'll, I'll get into that here in a second. But our mission essentially is to advocate and assist individuals affected by domestic violence. Uh, we do this by providing emergency and transitional sheltering, emotional support, empowering opportunities, educational programs, but our goal is to aim at self-sufficiency and ultimately a reduced incident in battery and assault and domestic violence. So that's kind of our mission statement right there. Perfect. Thank, thanks, Robert, for that. And uh, Brittany, I think you had uh, a question list we wanted to go through with Robert um, as well. I know that uh, prior to uh, the acquisition, uh, Johnson & Miller was uh, uh, involved with Option Inc. Um, and so maybe you want to dive into a couple of the questions you had for Robert. Yeah, yeah. So Robert, I, I was hoping you could expand on what is domestic violence? What does it look like and who can it impact? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Domestic violence essentially is a pattern of behavior in a relationship between folks. And I will define some of those here in a second where one person tries to control another person. And I would say this not in a good way. They're trying to control. There's some forms, some tools that uh, people can use, psychological, physical, um, but domestic violence is that pattern of behavior that you look at. And so what we try to do is educate folks that uh, it's not okay to, to hurt somebody and call it love. And I will tell you, I am the last guy that wants to go into a house uh, and, and, and upset somebody's home. But when kids are involved, I'm the first guy that wants to go because mm -hmm. I'm there for the kids. Now, normally there's two or three policemen in front of me. <laughs> and and I, I've learned a long time ago, you don't go in by yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, bad things happen. But, uh, you know, we, we try to, to really help the folks who are in domestic violence situations. And, and the effect, um, when you look at who impacts or the, the impacts on domestic violence, it can happen to any race, anyone, any socioeconomic level. 
any sexual orientation, any religion. We see people from all the gambit, uh, from Hindu to Islam to Christianity to Catholic. I mean, we see them all. Genders, of course. It happens to married folks. It happens to people living together. It happens to folks who were just dating. Uh, grandchildren, this is the kind of uh, domestic violence we see. Grandchildren on grandparents. Of course, men and women. And then adults on children. And there's a classic story about uh, in the 1860s, 1870s, a, a young girl by the name of Mary Ellen, who was, was a child who, uh, we call it foster care today, but ended up in a foster care situation back in the 1870s and was beaten profusely by a woman, a woman. And, you know, men aren't always the culprits. I will tell you that it, you know, men and women uh, engage in this type of behavior. So you're yeah. saying domestic violence does not discriminate on either side of the equation, offender or victim. Old, young, new, rich, uh, poor, middle class. It, it, it just, you would not believe the people we see walk in here. Uh, you know, we, and, and the, the, some of those tools of control are just, uh, you know, um, we had a guy come in or a lady come in married to a very well-to-do guy from the Middle East. She was scared to death because all he had to do was make one phone call and her relatives back in the Middle East would be impacted by that phone call. Yeah. That kind of control, that kind of, that tool. You, you had mentioned the uh, uh, tools of control, you know, in, in our briefing about uh, uh, Option Inc. Maybe you could expand on, you know, what those are, how they're used. Um, and maybe if you have an example, you know, you, you gave a great example, but uh, maybe another example of how the sure, tools can sure, impact absolutely. Someone. Yeah. Well, when we look at the forms of domestic violence, which leads to the tools, we look at, of course, everybody knows physical abuse. And that's what I think most of America thinks of domestic violence. It's physical abuse. But there's also psychological abuse. And that is just as important, if not more so, isolation, intimidation, economics, economic abuse. Uh, here's a hundred bucks, go get all the groceries. I want receipts and I want you back in 30 minutes. Uh, privileged abuse, they used to call that male privilege, but now we're seeing females uh, commit domestic violence. So now I just call it privileged abuse. And of course, emotional abuse. Now these are the forms. As far as tools, we would look at behaviors. Again, remember this is all tied to behaviors that frighten, intimidate, terrorize, Manipulate, hurt, humiliate, blame, injure, or wound. Now, let me give you an example that marries all of these together in, in just one case. We had a lady in the shelter. Young girl comes in and beautiful hair, uh, spat with the boyfriend, uh, a, a big one. And so she stayed with us a few days. And of course, she got to missing her boyfriend and wanted to go home. And, and you know, and these, these kids were living together. And so she did. And, and, you know, when they leave here, we have to give them that opportunity to come back. So there's no judgment. We, we, we might feel that this is wrong. Don't do this. But it's, you know, sometimes you got to let people go out and live their lives and then they'll come back to you. And why do you think that they return to a situation like that? Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, man, that's a that's a great question. It can go back to the family dynamic. Was there a blended family? 
did the dad throw the mom through the wall and beat her up? And then the girl sees this kind of behavior. And so it becomes acceptable. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a saying in domestic violence, children see, children do. And so they follow the mm-hmm. patterns. Uh, it could be that maybe she was a rebellious child. I mean, there's, you, you just, it comes from the family and, and, and there's this it's thing a called, conditioning. It sounds like, yeah, there's this thing called love. And sometimes young people fall in love and they tend not to see these kinds of things until they're in over their heads because mm. this person is perfect. They can do no wrong. Obviously, I've done something. and I love this person. Mm. So there, there's a like I said, that's a well, that's a deep question. And, mm. you know, we have to study the, the, uh, the family every time we get one of these folks and, and do kind of a little bit of an analysis. But this girl came in. She stayed with us. Pretty hair, beautiful hair, beautiful girl. And then she went back to the guy. Well, they were laying on the couch. He was watching a football game and, and she was, you know, taking a nap on his lap. He had her hair and he would always play with it. And what he did was he super glued the hair. And mm-hmm. so all of this hair, this beautiful hair was super glued. She wakes up, she's emotionally distraught. She calls us, comes back to the shelter. I called my buddy out at the college who, um, is a, a hairdresser. And I said, uh, Maria, what can we do about this? And she said, nothing. You have to shave her head. So we went in and shaved her head. Okay. So what's the tool here? Humiliation. What's the form? Well, this one could be emotional. This one could be intimidation. This one could be physical. Mm-hmm. And what he told her was no one else wants you. I'll take you back, but only because no one else wants you. And so uh-huh that leaves that memory in her brain. Oh, if I do something like this again, something bad will happen if I do this. So Mm. kind of an example, that's, you know, forms and tools. Wow. Wow. That's, that's devastating for sure. So you mentioned children and how children see children do. Um, Could you potentially expand on the impact that witnessing or experiencing domestic violence has on a child and potentially their future? You know, in in America today, we have a lot of what we call blended families. And uh, we have a lot of divorce, a lot of blended families. And I'm not blaming blended families. I'm just saying this is what we have. Well, a lot of times, if I'm the dad and that's not my son, I'm not going to be so reticent to walk in there and discipline this child if that's not my son. And so sometimes you see these kinds of behaviors with these blended families and then, and then they kind of, you know, maybe I'm a little bit abusive. And so children see children do, they mimic that behavior in their parents. Uh, When they get in situations, uh, when they start growing up, teenagers, adults, things like that. Now, what we have learned Um, And I can throw out stats and percentages, but basically here's the bottom line. Children learn that unequal, unequal relationships are the norm. You're either the hunter or you're the prey. And that sets the tone for any future relationships until they can unlearn that learned behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's got to be quite the process to unlearn something like that. It takes some folks time. Um, some people learn the lesson faster than others. Mm-hmm. And we will have people come back to the shelter two and three and six and seven times just so that they have to learn these lessons. So I, I think that uh, 
working with children, I, and I will tell you, is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. I mean, if I ever get close to losing my, my professionalist cool, it's when I see a child that's been hurt. Man, yeah. just, I, that's, and, and you know, the, the thing here that really gets to me too is, is men and women don't need to be hitting each other. I, I just, that, this is just wrong. You cross a line and, and then of course, I've been married for 43 years. I'm not saying we have a perfect, you know, my wife and I have had words on occasion, but never have we touched each other in, in a physically violent manner. It just, and I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm just saying there is, right. if you love this person, how in the world do you find yourself hitting them or hitting the children? Um, that's not love. That is a form of domestic violence, which is using intimidation and physical violence to control. Right. What are some of the things that Option Inc. does to help support victims on their path to independence and, and to help them avoid going back to abusers like the young lady with the beautiful hair you shared about? Okay. Let me, let me first state that when people come to us, a lot of times, like I said earlier, it might be repeat and we might have them coming in one, two, and three times. Right. Um, and then they would go back. And then, of course, we, we try to help them. But education is a tool. Uh, we will meet with folks. We call it facilitation. I will tell you that before somebody can trust you, they got to talk to you a little bit. They got to sit down and kind of before they can share their heart and soul with you, they got to know that you're someone who cares. Right. And that comes in nature, in, right? <laughs> it, it comes in many forms. Um, let me give an example here. I had a lady in the shelter. She came in two o'clock in the morning. So I was on call. It was my turn. Two kids, one on each leg. And she was, in, you know, you've heard of fight or flight. She was in fight mode. Her face, her arms, her fists were all clenched. She was ready to battle. And those kids knew something was wrong with mom because one was on each leg. So I, I'm looking at this lady. I'm going, how am I going to disarm her? So first thing I did was I said, when was the last time you had something to eat? And she said, two days ago. I said, let me go fix you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Kids, you want some? Yeah. And so I don't know that a man had ever done that for her before. Number one. Number two, just the effort. You know, the kitchen was 15 feet away. I was out there preparing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, getting small drinks, fruit drinks for the kids. I walk out and put it on the table. She's still pensive. She's still, you know, alert. And she starts to eat. She relaxes. And I can see after about 15 minutes, the face, it just, the muscles untense, the arms, the fists. And, and so that opened the door to communication. It just took a tactic. You just had to figure out how to work human behavior. Um, you know, to, to get back to your question, how do we communicate? How, well, sometimes this is a form of communication. You just have to gain their trust. You have to talk to them. And then once you do gain that trust, then you can talk to them about, well, you can talk to them about uh, isolation, emotional abuse, economic abuse. You can talk to them about sexual abuse, uh, using children as a tool to commit domestic violence, threats, all the things we talked about, the forms. And then you can educate them on this is domestic violence. And you say, well, he's always done that to me. Well, no, that's not right. And, and I'm not here to tell society how to live. I'm just saying, if somebody's abusing you, you have rights. You don't have to live under the shadow of 
somebody uh, who, who's trying to manipulate you and control you. And that's what we try to do is educate. And of course, along the way there, of course, you, you can't just teach them when they're hungry. You can't just teach them when they don't have a place to stay. You can't just teach them if they're worried about tomorrow and the kids have to go to school and they don't have shoes. And so we gather as much as we can. We're an emergency shelter as well as a transitional shelter. And we're not unique in this. There are a lot of shelters across the country that do this. And so we take care of them. We provide the emotional support. We got one lady here. She's met all 10 of us. Everybody will go out there and, and, and say, hi, what's your name? I'm Robert. I'm, I'm here to talk to you. What, how you doing? You know, what's going on? And so we, we all take, we all understand that. And so communication is key. It's fundamental. You have to get people past that, that, that lockdown that they're in. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in, I would imagine it's not always as obvious as, you know, clenched fist looking, you know, looking like I've just been through a tough situation. It's often kind of masked. And so how do you identify and, and approach someone that you think might be in a situation from a place of understanding? And I want to help you without them kind of being, like you said, defensive. You know, you know, Shane, great question. Let, let's, let's look at this just for a second. Some of the people we see that come in at two or three in the morning, they either go fetal, very submissive, very passive, very don't ask me anything. I don't want to talk. I'm ashamed. This doesn't happen to me. I'm a good person. I got good family. How did this happen? And then the other side of the coin is I have hysterical. I mean, they're mad. They're ready to hit me. <laughs> and it's not me. It's just they're mad. They're angry at the situation. The response. Yeah. And I happen to be the only male in the room, <laughs> you know, which sometimes can be unfortunate because, you know, you're a target. So you have to identify first where you're at. Now, you know, as far as communicating to the folks, um, I, I, I think you just have to gain their trust. And, and it's, it's, you have to watch their behavior their words and their language. And, and, and you just have to kind of put it all together. Um, and, and you have to, I don't, you know, some of the things I see you guys would be horrified, but because I've seen it so much, I can take a step back and say, okay, how do we fix this? Uh, it's probably like policemen on the street. You know, they've seen some pretty horrific things. They're there to control the situation and get things going again. That's what we're here to do to get you on a path. And so you have to make an assessment, I guess, initially of who am I dealing with? What am I dealing with? And how do I help this person? You know, Shane, from an outside perspective, I think what we can see here, if you have a friend and, and they, you can see there's some domestic violence going on. I think the best thing you can do as a friend, number one, is to listen to them. If they come to you and they confide in you, you don't need to tell them what to do. They already got somebody telling them what to do. It's called the abuser. That's the person trying to control them. And you will lose them faster than you, you know if you start saying, well, you got to do this and you got to do that. What you do is you sit and you listen and you listen intently and you recommend and then you be ready. Now, I have another example. I'm full of examples. Um, I had a, 
I had a young lady, I was teaching classes and we were in a class, it was a night class. She came in, sat down, big sunglasses on, all the women were hovering around her. I knew something was wrong or something was up, but I didn't call any attention to it. I just went ahead and taught the class, taught the class. At the end of the class, I call her into my office and I say, what's going on? I said, take off your sunglasses, let me see what you She took them off and she had the biggest shiner in the world. Now, okay, all right, and I, I just said, what happened? You know, and she said, well, I didn't duck fast enough and a softball got me. And, and I knew she played on a team and I said, okay, all right, all right. And I said, you know, if you ever need any help, here is options phone number, here's a domestic violence. She, and she kind of backed up a little bit. She said, no, no, I, I don't need that kind of help. Six months later, she called the shelter, she came in, she got her help and we helped her to get on a different path. Because sometimes as an outsider, when you offer help, people aren't always ready to, to make that jump. They might, you know, and so helping folks, sometimes you have to be ready to help. You have to be willing to listen and you can make recommendations, but it has to be soft-spoken. It has to be, I'm here as your friend, not as somebody who's trying to tell you what to do. You know, we, we've had some, some things going on with uh, this whole, can I talk about COVID-19? Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, we would love to hear how that's impacted the occurrence of domestic violence. Brittany, it, it, it has changed our whole ball game. We are a people place. We are a people organization. I, we are always out in the public eye. I mean, we are out doing United Way things. We're out doing rotary things. We're out doing coffee with the cops. We host that stuff. We go out and do that stuff. And all of a sudden COVID hits and we can't do anything. And so what we've had to do is learn to go to a virtual platform. Um, they call it Facebook. I'm an old guy, so a lot of this is new to me, but they call it Facebooks. Uh, they call it, uh, well, of course, internet web pages and so forth. And then some, you know, some Snapchat stuff, whatever the heck that is. My girls know how to do it. I don't, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so we've gone back to telephonics which means basically using the telephone. Uh, and so a lot of our services now, just for this duration in the COVID era, are being delivered via telephonics, via Facebook, via GoToMeeting, via Zoom. Um, we'll have meetings and I'll look across and I'll see a person sitting across from me and we'll be writing a restraining order versus them sitting in my office writing a restraining order. We'll teach classes to groups of people. Again, education is still what we do. As, and we'll have all of these people on the screen and we'll be going through our PowerPoint presentations, our videos, our things like that. So in the course of a year, we've really had to up our game to continue to communicate and to continue to be effective. Now, I'm not sure, I like people. I'm a people guy. I want to get back to the old ways of doing things where I come over to your offices and I say, hi, what you doing? Don't worry about time. Don't worry about billing. It's just me. <laughs> I'm not going to spend too long. I love people and I love to be out there in the public. And I think we'll get back to that. I have confidence and faith. Uh, we wear our masks, we social distance, we wash our hands, we get our shots. Life will return. 
life will return. And then we can get back to the, I, you know, just a hug, a handshake. I, I, I saw a guy this morning. I put my hand out because I always do. And, and he, he did the fist bump thing. And I, okay, okay, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Um, just the, the human touch is so important to us. And we took it for granted so much. Um, you know, some of the, the folks that we have come in here, uh, you know, the, especially the older folks, they want a hug. They want you to, you know, I care about you. They want to know that. They see it in your eyes. They feel it in your hug. And, and, and boy, a lot of that is gone. And right. you can replace. Yes, ma'am. In terms of awareness, yes, do you feel that you're reaching people that you wouldn't have been able to reach because you do have and have been forced into the digital platforms? Do you think that you'll, Option Inc. will continue to use them even when we do return to normalcy so that you can continue to reach some of the folks who maybe don't have the option to come into your office? I think we will. Um, I, I've been talking to some of my facilitator teachers and again, we work with both sides of the coin. We teach the offenders, it's not okay to throw your wife through the wall. We teach the victims, hey, you need to stand up for yourself, not to get hit or hurt, but you have rights. And so we, we have these, these groups of people we're teaching. In before, pre-COVID, we would have a classroom, senior citizen center, we'd go down there, we'd teach the class. Now we're able to do that using Zoom and GoToMeeting, and it, it the guys love the platform. Uh, we had a lot of a guff on the front end. Oh, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Da, 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 da. Now it's just the opposite. They all love it. And they're all communicating just like we are right here, right now. So you awareness. Know, yeah. I'm sorry, Shane. I, I was going to say, you know, I, I know that technology in a lot of ways, you, you lose a little bit of the human touch and the interaction, but you know, thank goodness for the technology because it allows us to connect. You guys are in Hobbs and we're here in Fort Worth and yet we're able to interact in this way and, and provide this content and, and raise awareness. So you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's something that we're going to emerge from the pandemic from uh, having dual capabilities. Uh, exactly. So that's, that's a strengthening. I've always told uh, the guys up north, uh, New Mexico's a state, um, all, our, all our shelters, if there's a silver lining, that has come from this COVID. It's the fact that we've actually gotten to know our people better because New Mexico, like Texas, is not a small state. It takes hours to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, you know, the, the people in Farmington, which is like nine hours away, we're good friends now. Whereas before we might see each other once a year. Uh, and, and so that distance has been closed by this, this virtual platform that we can use. Yeah. And, and to, to go to Brittany's point about awareness, I think we are fortunate that we live in a small community. Uh, and when I say a small community, 50, 40, 50,000 people. And because of that, because members on our board, we have families here. We all go out and engage the community. We were somewhat known before, uh, but now I think the virtual platform and the word of mouth are still there for us to create awareness for what we do. Shane? That's, that's great. Yeah. And, and so, you know, obviously is a great organization. We're very moved by the work that you're doing. So how can, how can we 
uh, help support Option Inc.? How can our uh, audience help support your efforts? I want to say that just say no is, is, a, is a thing that's been used for, I think, drugs and alcohol. Why can't it be for domestic violence at well? Why can't it be? You see something going on in public and you think it's not right. It's not wrong just to go over and say, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't have slapped her. Or, honey, you shouldn't do this to him. You know, I'm not trying to get involved in other people's lives. But there is a point, and and, and I guess I, I, I read these things more than other folks because I see this every day. But we have to say no to domestic violence in public settings. I think they did a TV thing where they would go out and they would place a couple and he would throw car keys at her and yell at her in a hamburger joint. Uh, Ron, I can't remember the guy's it's name. It's What Would You Do? It's a great show. What I love that do? show. And, and then they would have all these guys sitting around and a couple of them got up and that guy was going to be toast <laughs> because of how he was yeah. treating this young lady. Yeah. We got to say no to that kind of stuff. We got to stand up for each other. We, you know, what's wrong with being a little, little kinder to each other? What's wrong with being a little gentler to each other? The world can certainly use more kindness, uh, especially in times like this. So I think that's a great message. I think you want to become a part of the solution, not the problem. Absolutely. You want to help. And I think awareness, education, donation are all tools that we can use to combat domestic violence in our communities because really it starts at the, at the, the local level it really does that's where you make the difference and, it, and then it branches out and in um, now one of the things that we run into is a lot of people well why don't you take volunteers it is so hard for us to train a person in the recognition and then get the the confidentiality the training the background check all the things the state requires us to do uh, just to get a volunteer to volunteer. Uh, and then they work two, three weeks, and then they're gone, and then we got to ro- rotate that cycle again. There's a big cost there. So a lot of times it's not that we don't want volunteers. It's just that it's just not always feasible, uh, economically speaking, to, to bring them in. Now, you can volunteer on an outside basis. Uh, you can help us with uh, – I'm trying to get a blessing box built out in front of our, our shelter. A blessing box is where we put food and things like that. People will come by, and if they have a need, they open the box, they take the stuff. And there's a little sign there that says, take what you need, but leave what you don't need. Yeah. Um, we're trying to raise, you know, bring clothing in. We're trying to socks, shoes, underwear. Uh, even, I get people sometimes at 2 or 3 in the morning, and they got a blanket around them, and, and maybe a pajama. And so we have to, again, we got to clothe them, feed them, take care of them, bring them back. And of course, money always helps. Um, uh, we got a, I think I've got a lady back there right now. I've got to get a bus ticket for her. I'm not going to tell you where, but it's going to be an expensive ticket. Yeah. Where, where, where does this money come from? Um, it comes from people, people who are generous and give. And I will tell you, our community is very generous. Uh, we are so blessed to live here and, uh, we got great people here. I mean, I've got a list of about a half dozen people, and you say, well, "Whatever you need, Robert, just call me." That's great. Preachers, 
doctors, nurses. I mean, it just, and I love it. I love it. I love living here. That's great. And we certainly got to take care of one another. And, you know, we're, we're trying to do our part with this WP care series to uh, give a platform and promote, like you said, raise awareness. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to post this on all of our social platforms. We're going to promote it through our um, podcast channel. Um, and we encourage anybody who listens to this to like, comment, share, um, and it, you know, if you're so inclined, make a donation. Um, you know, it's, we know it's in good hands and we know it's gonna, it's gonna help some folks out. Um, I would like to say that if, if you're listening to this and you're associated with the nonprofit and you'd like to be featured, um, on an episode of WP cares, please reach out to us, uh, via LinkedIn. Um, and we will set up a time to talk about your organization and thank you so much, Robert, for joining us today. Your, your cause is uh, very worthy and, and noble, and you're taking great care of, of these folks who are in bad situations. So uh, thank you for your time. And um, we, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, please uh, follow our channel, and we look forward to having you join us again on the next episode of WP Cares via the WP Talks channel. Take care.